learn about the best practices for loading data into Azure SQL this week on Data Exposed. I'm Anna Hoffman, and welcome to this episode of Data Exposed. Today, I'm joined by Denzel Ribeiro, a program manager on the Azure SQL team. Denzel, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Thank you, Anna. Always awesome. a pleasure. Yeah, awesome. And it's always a pleasure to have you on. You always have the coolest demos, and we always learn so much. And today, we're going to be talking about data loading best practices. And I know you have a lot planned, so let's just get right into it. I wanted to start by asking you if you had any, like, top of mind thoughts about kind of data loading things we should think about sure yeah absolutely so you know folks who are used to sql server on premise may have simple recovery model and things of that nature when you're talking about azure sql db um, azure sql db is always in full recovery model and to guarantee our sla we do have log generation limits and the limits are based generally on um, you know the service objective and and tier and, and in fact, the limits are, are queryable from a DMV. You have the primary max log rate, which gives you what's the limit for the, the SQL DB in question or Azure SQL DB in question. Now, all the demos is subsequently I'm doing on the hyperscale tier. In, in hyperscale, what's unique is the log limit is 100 MB per second, irrespective of the compute size, whether it's two core, four core, eight core. But note that you're not going to be able to drive 100 MB per second log generation rate if you use just a two core because you'll the bottleneck will be CPU and won't be log, right? And so when we reach these log limits, we will see a weight type called log rate governor, uh, which shows up in weight types of SQL servers. So since this log generation is a commodity in a way, data compression helps maximize this log generation rate that you, you can ingest. Um, and then, um, you know, other be best practices include things like for large tables, if you're talking billion row tables, partition them because maintenance becomes significantly easier. Things like archiving a partition, truncating a partition, rebuilding an index for a partition, so on and so forth. And then choice of, uh, we'll see rows row to versus column store, but remember that the choice of uh, whether you choose a B3 or row store or column store is not just based on data loading. It's based on your workload, workload patterns, and if that corresponding row store or column store is right for your workload. Got it. Okay. These are some good, uh, these are some good tips. I, I know you have some like scenarios kind of to help us walk through because there's a lot of different things to take into consideration, not necessarily like the fastest loading possible. Um, so it'd be awesome to just hop right into the demo. Absolutely. So let's look at, uh, I'm going to use Spark for this demo. And uh, though the, the concepts are pretty relevant to ADF or ADF data flows or other ETL mechanisms. So they're not, unique to Spark. It just is um, you know, easier for me to demo with the options clearly documented here. So the first thing we're going to do is actually load into a heap. So I have uh, a heap where uh, this is a heap. And on a heap, what's unique is you can specify tab lock equal to true to allow multiple parallel threads to load. Um, you know, And here I'm loading actually about 6.5 gigs of data. I'm going to launch this um, so that you know, while it's running, we, we can go through this uh, scenario. And then we have a batch size, commit batch size of 100K rows, um, right? So this is launched, it's uh, read the data from the lake and it's actually running 32 parallel tasks. 
So while we uh, do this, we will actually look at a couple of things. We'll look at the max log rate. We talked about that DMV. And we'll see that for hyperscale here, it is set to uh, 100, sorry, 105 MB per second. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the results here, and that's for the hyperscale tier. Uh, now we are loading into a heap, and you, you'll see that we have 16 uh, or 32 parallel loads going on. And this wait type log rate governor actually indicates that we are hitting that limit, right? So there are two ways to look at it. And we we'll look at uh, this from a DMV perspective. The DMV you can look at for log generation rate is this DM resource governor workload group CX. And we can take the delta log bytes that are recorded for a particular duration. And this is just math converting it to MB. And we'll see that you know over the last um, couple minutes at least, or a couple um, seconds, if you will, we are at 98 megs log generation rate, which is very close to the cap. Um, again, um, viewing this from a dashboard perspective, uh, we'll see a couple of things. We see that our CPU is about 40%. Um, and these are Perfmon counters charted out by Telegraph and using a Grafana dashboard. But we see these averages of, uh, you know, Right about the threshold, it toggles from 95 to 105, um, you know, MB. So that's the log generation rate on a heap. And if we wait long enough, it should complete in about, uh, you know, two minutes. Um, this should be completing, you know, very shortly. So we see that this took 1.9 minutes here and we'll summarize those results. So that's a heap. But remember that with a heap, you still, before you actually consume the data, you likely are going to create a clustered index or set of indexes because your queries on a heap otherwise are all going to result in scans, right? Which is not necessarily efficient. So let's look at the second type of index, which is a column store index. This is uh, more used for analytics. Again, I'm going to fire this, um, you know, workload real quick. And then we'll discuss <coughs> parallel loading into column store. Actually, you don't want to specify tab lock equal to true. Tab lock equal to true is only for a heap. Um, it'll serialize. If you do, it'll serialize each thread uh, and they'll block each other. The other thing is column store data is stored as segments. We want a batch size greater than 102,400 if possible, because then uh, the data is compressed before it's ingested. And um, the segments themselves uh, actually are compressed before it's written to the log, right? So closer to a million, anything over 102,400 is good from a column store perspective. If we look at uh, log generation rate here, um, same thing like we did before, we do not see any wait types anymore. You see the wait type is null, though we have 32 bulk inserts running. Uh, and looking at the dashboard, we're going to see some different characteristics. I'm going to refresh this dashboard. Um, first is we see on a 16 core, we have more than 16 threads inserting. Our CPU is close to 100%. I think I used a bigger cluster than I did uh, in my um, you know, prior test from a Spark perspective. But you see uh, you know, CPU is, is much higher than before. Uh, <coughs> and then... Um, you know, I have log bytes flushed, which is significantly less than before. So uh, looking at log byte flush, you see peaks and valleys, but it's not consistently right. 95 Mbps, um, right? Anna, you had a question? No, I was just saying, okay. wow, yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. So, so you could, uh, you know, if I, if I, so here CPU is my bottleneck at 16 cores, but I could invariably go to 32 cores or 80 cores and then optimize on this log generation rate, because even at that, I'm not necessarily going to have sustained 100 Mbps, uh, right? So this doesn't mean that time to load is fundamentally going to improve. In fact, the time to load will be a little slower, but it uh, loads into compressed row groups. Um, and um, you know, you'll know you see directly, if I look at the column store metadata, which is this row group physical stats, you never see, um, you know, I mean, uncompressed row groups. If you had to use a batch size less than 102,400, this would land in the delta store part, which is a row store part of column store, and would be then compressed by a background thread as those groups fill up to a million rows. But, you know, that ingest actually works just like a, a B3 or heap where, where it's not into compressed row groups directly. So you would see a log generation rate closer to 100. So, um, you know, I mean, I could demo that, but for time, I am not going to demo that. I will show the results of what that looks like, um, you know, from uh, the results perspective. The third scenario we're going to look is the last scenario where your, you know, base data is a B tree. So it's not a heap, it's not column store, but it's a clustered index. And there are uh, several variations of this. This could be compressed, row compressed, page compressed, or not compressed. So the first thing I'm, I'm doing is I'm going to ingest this data. And in this case, I'm not sorting the data or anything of that sort. I am just going to start this. And again, because this is not column store, um, I'm using 100K batch size, 100,000 um, rows per batch. And then <clears throat> since it's not a heap, I'm using tablock um, equal to false, uh, right? So let's look at some diagnostics from the SQL side here. Uh, this is going to take forever because now each thread, there are 32 threads, is inserting conflicting ranges um, because I've not sorted in the clustered key. And you see a ton of contention on, on locks, right? So we see a lot of blocking sessions. You see lock wait types and you see the pages in question. I am actually going to cancel this because this will, will be waiting for a while otherwise. So what do I do as, uh, you know, if I want to actually save time from ingesting to a heap and building a clustered index? The alternative I can do here is I can sort the data on source, which I've already, uh, you know, done, and then ingest it again into the same table. So, um, you know, I have my clustered column store table, uh, and um, let me just make sure, yep, I, I do. I am actually going to ingest this data into this and you'll see this spark job actually will have multiple phases the first part is actually each worker that picks up rows is going to sort those rows and and there's a little bit more work on the client side because of the sort that i've specified here um <clears throat> before the ingest is actually done so you'll see a couple jobs here um and this is not actually ingesting yet so the first parts are actually sorting on the client uh, on the client side. So there's a little more work on the client side, but it's well worth it as uh, we look at the results. And as soon as these two stages are done, the bulk insert will start. This is a, roughly around 6.5 or 6.8 gigs of data, around 60 million rows. So now we got to the ingest part where we are actually running 32 uh, bulk inserts. And uh, we should see... Um, 
you know, requests show that, okay, we are bulk inserting data and we don't have um, all that bottleneck that we saw with locks, um, right? And so we look at ingest rate now. The ingest rate is not going to be, uh, the log generation rate is not quite going to be what column store was because that was compressed uh, row groups. So it's going to be significantly higher because it's still a clustered index. We have not applied compression necessarily. So your ingest rate is much more. It's closer to a heap. But uh, the advantage of this is I'm not going to have to build the index after my initial ingest into the heap, right? So uh, it is, uh, and clustered index is still great for workloads that require singleton lookups and require more of the row format than analytical workloads. Um, so the choice depends on the workload. Um, you see ingest rate is close to the cap, and this will finish also um, in a couple minutes. <coughs> of course, this had a little additional time to sort that data on the client, but if we didn't do that, then we would hit all the log um, you know, contention that we did. So we'll come back to this. You'll see this uh, in, in a little bit, um, but I will flip to kind of the results pane of these and a few other iterations. And um, you know, hopefully this will kind of showcase some differences, if you will, of things that I've demoed and some things that I've not. So here I have source data of 60 million rows, roughly 6.5 gigs of data. Um, and in my test, actually, it was 16 parallel streams. Now it's um, you know 32 parallel streams. So these results are a little skewed from that perspective. I didn't realize I spun up a larger uh, Spark cluster. But this should give you relative differences for sure, right? A couple of things you'll realize, there's an increased CPU when you compress, because compression takes some CPU. And there's a reduction in log generation rate when compressing. And then <clears throat> when loading, we had talked about, so you have the heap. Heap is the fastest if you look at by duration. Everything else is slower than the heap. But what you have to consider when you are loading to a heap is the indexes you will create post load actually matter because the time has to be um, you know, accounted for because data is not ready for your application until you create those indexes. Um, you know, so you see that heap is uh, capping out almost at the max and hits throttling from a log limit perspective, it's the fastest, has about the lowest CPU, right? And the second set of rows we look at is column store related loading. And one was with that batch size of a million, and one was with the batch size of less than that 102,400, which lands up in Delta store, which is not compressed. If you look at this row, the log generation rate is almost close to the heap because it's not loading in compressed row groups. If you look at the one with compression directly, it's just 22 Mbps versus 94 Mbps. But the CPU trade-off is higher because it's ingesting in compressed row groups. But the delta is not significantly more really. <coughs> and the data is ready to use. You don't, you know, for analytics, the column store index is created. And then the last one, but not the least, is clustered index, where we have two... Uh, things to consider here. One is with this sorted input and not. If you don't sort the input, all threads will block and the time is by far the largest, right? So you have lock contention, CPU is very low because everyone's blocked. But the time is, this is not really a practical you know, scenario. So if you're using a clustered index, then sort the data on the client. And then you have a couple variations of compression with uh, no compression, robe and page compression. 
where you see there's a slight difference in log generation rate and the size of data as it lands, because then your querying will become less I.O. intensive, but there's a trade-off in CPU, right? So, so I hope this gives you a good view of kind of different table types and the batch sizes and, you know, the trade-off between additional CPU for saving in log generation rate. And um, you can make some decisions based on your workload and scenarios on, um, you know, what type of index batch size uh, and trade-offs you can make. Yeah, awesome. I mean, you've shared so many great tips with us. Just thank you so much for coming on the show. I have one question, not to put you on the spot, but what's kind of a mistake that you see a lot of customers make in this space that you wish that you could just kind of share with everyone sure. if there is one? Yeah, there are several actually, right? So partitioning is probably our least used and uh, a very underused feature for large billion row tables. And partitioning has some complexity in terms of having to maintain partitions, but the benefits outweigh the complexity. Um, you know, talk about uh, several billion row tables, you know, you, partitioning enables you to rebuild at a partition level and do a bunch of maintenance at a partition level, enable things like incremental statistics. That's one thing which is way underused. And the second, probably most common thing is, like I said, uh, you know, folks who ingest large amounts into heap and then create a clustered index, uh, you know, and don't account for that index creation time um, in loads, right? So those are those are probably two. If if I see the third one is the column row batch size, you know, thing, and mm -hmm. the underuse of compression in general. Compression does help in many cases. Awesome, cool. So you've actually covered a lot of those things in this video, so that's good. We're getting it out there, and hopefully this is going to help a lot of folks load uh, their data in a more efficient way so that they can get to using it. So again, thanks so much, Denzel, for coming on that's the show. Uh, to our viewers, thanks for watching. Uh, give us a like, give, leave us a comment, and let us know how you're loading data into Azure SQL. And we hope to see you next time on Data Exposed. Thank you, Anna.